0: I'm Rusty Williams and this is Forming the Future, a series of conversations exploring the intersections of education, innovation, and physical space. Today I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Amon Milner. Amon is an assistant professor of computing and innovation at Olin College, directing the Extending Access to STEM Empowerment Lab, or EASE. He develops technology and community platforms to facilitate learners becoming empowered to make and make a difference in their neighborhoods. Dr. Milliner has established local and international hubs for learning, making, and digital fabrication, shaping the ways in which networks such as computing clubhouses and fab labs have evolved. His international recognition includes a designation as a Fulbright Specialist slash grantee. He holds a Ph.D. in Media Arts and Sciences from MIT, a Master's in Human-Computer Interactions from Georgia Institute of Technology, and a Bachelor's in Computer Science from the University of Southern California. Oman, thank you for making time today to talk with me. I think it was last spring, you and I got together at Olin College in your office there. And it was just really fascinating to learn about the work you're doing with uh, STEM programs and innovation. In fact, your, your title at, uh, at Olin is Professor of Computing and Innovation. So uh, I wanted to come back and, and revisit some of the things we talked about. And, Uh, explore what it means to teach innovation what it means to create the kind of space that um, is most conducive to that and so why don't we start there with some of uh, your thoughts about some of the programs you've initiated and what 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 you teach
1: thanks thanks for having me on it's a pleasure to um, talk to you about some of the uh, work at the intersection of teaching undergraduate engineering where I teach at Olin College of Engineering as well as having a connection to several other innovative communities that are off campus and trying to merge the two at olin college uh, as you mentioned i teach computing and innovation and that can manifest itself in a lot of different ways innovation within computing or innovation within entrepreneurship or innovation within making or design or invention so uh, i have a lab on olin college's campus called the extending access to stem empowerment mm-hmm. ease for short the ease lab i chose that language because i wanted people to have access to the same sorts of educational activities that are hands-on that we have at olin in a variety of other settings and i realized that innovation comes from everywhere and a lot of different settings so mm-hmm. my title was by design so that i wasn't limited to one particular discipline but could tease out ways to facilitate and empower people to be innovative in a lot of different arenas. And that is driven by my connection to what people refer to as the maker movement. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the, the excitement around gatherings that are large called maker fairs that happen in a lot of cities such as Chicago, Detroit, New York and the San Francisco Bay Area have these large gatherings of people that are celebrating making and hands-on learning, and they do it in fairgrounds and they welcome everyone. And that's sort of uh, what people refer to as sort of the start or the rebirth of the maker movement, the celebrating hands-on. It just, it's not limited to those large gatherings called maker fairs, but making is something that should be celebrated and promoted in any way possible Um, through all avenues that people have access to. And that comes from schools, libraries and homes, connections to college campuses Mm -hmm. and community technology centers. So given that large landscape of a large community of former engineers, uh, scientists, uh, interested parents, poets. You don't have to have any credentials to consider yourself a maker. It's a large identity. Mm-hmm. And here at Olin College of Engineering, we have people that have opted into that identity through the lens of engineering and building projects that help people. We, we frame engineering as a people-to-people process here. And we like to think that you don't have to necessarily have the title to do the practice of engineering or thinking like an engineer or having the mindsets And the problem-solving skills, you can exercise that as a Mm five-year-old. And um, so given that backdrop, uh, I have a lab that allows me to specifically focus on areas where there has been some disempowerment, where there's uh, marginalized communities, uh, people that have immigrated to the United States and uh, are in areas where there are low resources in terms of school or uh, opportunities to uh, thrive in in life and work to people that are in um, areas where the schools have diminished uh, resources because of the tax base and the socioeconomic status around um, those neighborhoods don't provide for as many opportunities as they may down the street. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it also extends to communities where some of my lab has activities in the Mississippi Delta, where there is a different history and some of the economic differences between one side of the railroad tracks and the other side of the railroad tracks is the way that it is going back to the times where uh, people of color didn't have more options than working on um, as a sharecroppers to some of the owners of the land And uh, who would benefit from their resources and they would not benefit
0: as much. And some
1: of those problems persist today. So when you look at a lot of different communities, you see places where people have been disempowered for a variety of reasons. And you could think, how can we come together as hands-on makers to make a difference and provide economic or entrepreneurial resources and learning and, and have a different identity where there are problems in every community and some of the local people have the wherewithal, the language, the background, and the uh, ingenuity to sort of solve those problems right there, as opposed to having to be consumers of others' solutions that may not be uh, right for them. So wow. that, in a nutshell, describes sort of why I've set up my lab to do engineering in the context of a lot of communities that are very different from the Olden College of Engineering campus in yeah. Indiana, Massachusetts. I'll say.
0: And I, 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 you describe some of the work you did when we got together, and uh, some, of the, some of these trips to, um, to different places. Uh, is, is what you do, you, I mean, you go and you help set up uh, STEM programs. Is that something you think of in terms of a facility or a person, or the whole stuff wrapped together, because I would imagine just even getting the talent to teach is is a challenge. Uh, maybe perhaps even more so than the equipment. But you know, I don't, I don't, maybe I'm making this too simple. But the um, at a higher level, I guess what I'm thinking is, what makes a makerspace, or what makes a STEM program, and how do you uh, encourage that and cultivate that in areas that don't have a lot of resources.
1: So when you think about resources for STEM activities, some people think it may be a lot of electronic parts and batteries and motors that can move and things that can light up with remote controls, and and that takes an investment on the part of a community center or a library or a school. And that's one way that you can frame the lens of this constitutes a STEM activity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can also look at resources that are already existing in neighborhoods and where there's a lot of social capital around. And you could look at uh, customizing bikes amongst um, preteens and teenagers in a certain area and yeah. focus on some of the engineering that goes into the customization of a vehicle that has two wheels and um, making changes of the handlebars position or the how uh, the position of the person's body with relation to the wheels and how that changes the experience for the rider those are all discussion points that Mm -hmm. can lead to the same sort of uh, problem solving discovery processes that you would get with a table full of expensive equipment that came from um, radio shack (laughs) and so when you talk about a lack of resources sometimes it's shifting the frame as what are the resources that are around Uh that can be the basis of conversation that speak to the interests of the people that you're working with and from there it doesn't hurt to introduce new resources or new topics of conversation because there is an intersection between the a bike a bicycle community are people that are customizing bikes as well as people that use uh, electronics to explore the world around them And, and one of those intersections just to give you an example is persistence of vision electronic kits that operate within a bicycle wheel and those are when you put some electronics that when you spin a wheel you can see a message using the leds based on the notion of persistence of vision, oh. it, as it spins around, it lights up at different times, different lights to spell out a word. And so if you have people that understand the ins and outs of you know, their bicycles and you want them to learn a little bit about electronics, there's a marriage of two projects that makes a lot of sense. And then when they're writing words in thin air with red flashing LEDs that are spinning on their bicycle, that has an aha moment. And that aha moment is one of those things that we at the engineering college level know at a y- as young age, as at, at <clears throat> getting that aha to people at a young age allows them to pursue and think about their activities differently and think about themselves as being inventive and innovative and seeking opportunities to do more of that. So right. by finding the resources that are already gathering the interest in a particular neighborhood or a community and trying to open up more avenues where there's a door into more types of STEM interest. I think there's a lot of places where that overlap is very natural, and it's just a matter of trying to find that um, and leverage it when possible.
0: Wow. So, uh, the, the, just to repeat what you just said, there, this is not... What you do is not a packaged curriculum with certain bits and pieces and parts and and uh, uh, and you know sort of a, a linear path through it. it's customized to what is available uh, in each, each culture each location each uh, uh, socioeconomic uh, type of um, area that you're working in
1: yeah there <clears throat> there are approaches I believe that are fairly simple when it comes to helping people empower themselves to find new pathways or to navigate their educational and economic landscape because everyone is at a different point on that when you meet them. It comes down to having a set of people who are interested in trying to identify together what are some of the best ways to highlight and maximize the potential that each of those individuals has and sometimes, um, you know, it's just a matter of restoring some of the interest in a topic, whereas there are other systems around people that sometimes suppress a curious, a curiosity or a, a willingness to explore mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it, all too often it happens in terms of uh, please don't mess with that because, you know, if you break it, we can't afford another one. Mm -hmm. Or um, that's not the place. We don't have the resources um, for you to do anything hands-on in the school. Or, um, you know, sometimes the resources are not there to facilitate some of what is natural in terms of exploring and and tinkering, taking something apart and putting it back together and having that space and that trust. Uh, It does not have to be the most expensive thing Under the Sun that will give people an opportunity to do some exploring. I'll give you an example a concrete example from my lab Okay, one Activity that we took off of Olin's campus to a park where we had uh, Ice cream trucks serving young people in the summer each of those popsicles that come off of the ice cream truck into the hands of the young people they're leaving a building material behind every time. Those popsicle sticks can Mm -hmm. be recreated Mm -hmm. and turned into other things. So we made an activity that we thought would be fun for young people, especially ones that are charged up with ice cream, to (laughs) uh, turn those popsicle sticks into different types of tools for measurement, or um, turn three popsicle sticks into a pair of calipers, or into a Phillips head screwdriver, or a flat head screwdriver. And with that activity, we were able to get people in a discussion about what types of tools do you use for different applications. So it doesn't just give them an opportunity to turn something that would otherwise be thrown away into a resource for building, it also gives them an opportunity to think about with these tools, what are some other things that I can take apart and open up because mm-hmm. the world is not a closed system. I can actually manipulate some of the things around me and you know, reimagine how they work. And so that's an activity that I I believe sort of shows you that things that are considered waste in certain contexts, when you're done with the popsicle, sometimes the popsicle stick doesn't stick around. Mm -hmm. Now, some people keep it around for craft activities, but you can also, by extension, um, use them to open up conversations about engineering explorations, if you frame it as what kind of tools, what are these tools used for, Mm -hmm. Uh, giving people their first um, you know, conversations about um, how what types of tools are used for different types of measurement. What is a caliper used for versus a compass? What are they measuring differently? So that has connections to a lot of different STEM points, and um, is a resource that is a relatively low hanging uh, in a lot of uh, circumstances. Wow, that's
0: that's very creative and and uh, inspiring. The I wanted to return for a second, we said as we started talking that your title is Professor of Computing and Innovation, and most of what you've just described are things that have been creatively uh, used from within the environment in sort of a physical context, so the maker uh, movement that you've talked about, putting things together that are, you know, the that, that popsicle sticks and uh, building things what what role do you think computing education plays and do, or does it even have to play in this stem program and the types of programs that you're developing do you do you see that as a must have or is that a, is that a layer on top once you have the the ability to do that
1: uh, given what we spoke about of having different options available for what a community's needs are at the time. I I believe that having as many tools as possible in the toolbox mm, is the best approach to um, have low barrier for entry computing tools uh, such as the Scratch programming language was something that I helped uh, co-invent while I was a graduate student at the MIT Media Lab Mm -hmm. with the Lifelong Kindergarten Group. The idea was to make it so that you're not teaching computing necessarily, but you're letting people have access to computing as a means for creative expression. Mm -hmm. And in places where there are large communities that enjoy being creative and sharing, um, there's a lot of energy back and forth going back to the principles of an approach to learning called constructionism which emphasizes that creating artifacts that can be shared with others allows the most felicitous learning to happen because Mm -hmm. you get feedback and you can incorporate and you have an artifact as a way to mediate conversations about what can be done better and um, you get to create artifacts in the physical world whether they're popsicle stick tools or bikes that have electronics or computing creations the computer allows a different type of artifact that can be spread to a larger community at relatively low cost. Mm -hmm. And with the scratch programming language, having that as one of the tools allowed us to connect people to different communities that were not at the park where they're normally eating their ice cream cones or around the uh, neighborhood where they're building bikes together. But computing having connectivity to the internet has served as a way of having artifacts that are visible to a larger community and could create connections with people and ideas that you may have otherwise not come in contact. So I think computing is very powerful because the concepts go way beyond the computer. If you yeah. learn how to break large tasks down into small chunks, which is one of the tenets of creating a computer program, understanding what you're trying to do, find the <clears throat> ways to translate that that has an impact on how you uh, how you approach cooking, for example, making right. recipes. There's an algorithm for a lot of uh, cooking processes. And you just don't call it algorithms, typically. You call it recipe, but it's talking yeah. about the same thing. What steps do you take and yeah. what is important to highlight and communicate to others about those steps and how do you execute them to get the outcome you desire?
0: Right.
1: So I believe that computing has a lot of takeaways that are useful for life and and your relationships and and creating artifacts that can be shared widely and get feedback from people you might not come into contact with that are halfway across the planet. Mm -hmm. Those are some of the assets to having computing as one of the options you have available for young people or um, people that are just have been recently incarcerated or looking for um, opportunities. Um, It also has the ability to separate the innovator from the artifact Mm -hmm. and one of the things that allowed me to grow as a young computing professional was that some of the applications that i created when i was a teenager were able to enter the room before i did and that means that you don't know who created something but you know that it works and that shows their ability before the physical presence or the attributes around that person show up behind it. So, for example, um, if a job was uh, set aside specifically for a first-year college student or maybe a senior in high school, if there's a person that has a track record of doing that work and you see them and they're just a first-year high school student, they may get a chance because you've already seen their outputs even though you weren't sort of writing them off as this person is too young to have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of computing allows you to separate the artifact from the individual and innovator, and that can play in your favor uh, sometimes. So yeah. that's why I think it plays a, an important role in empowerment, because most people don't know who created the apps that they're using. And um, there's some young people that have been the creators of some of the things that we all use, and, um, and their age did not – prevent them from getting an opportunity to do that in the case of some computing applications. Right. I think it's some previous conversation. Or their neighborhood or other attributes about themselves, race, color, gender, um, right it's, other things that it's a, uh, sometimes it, plague our physical society.
0: It's a, it's a body of work. You know, it, it is, uh, uh, I think a previous conversation, we talked about how that portfolio eventually could, could become your job application. You know, you don't, you don't have a resume anymore. You have a portfolio of, of creations, and by, and by the way, a little while back you said you think of computing as a means of creative expression. And I just sort of love that line that that uh, it's not it's not writing code, it's not uh, you know just you know uh, kind of jamming out things in a cubicle. It's actually figuring out a way to, to be to creatively express uh, what what's in your head. Uh, and I, I love that as a as a expression.
1: as a, as a computer scientist by degree and a professor of computing, I think that is part of my duty and mission to introduce as many people as possible to all that computing can be because right now it has a PR problem. And I learned from um, Paul Graham, who wrote a book called Hackers and Painters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he expressed how computing can be that creative expression medium that called for him to identify with his painter friends, because they were also having creative expressions, and that's how they went about their work. He just felt felt that computing was his medium for yeah. creating something beautiful. Yeah. But a lot of people think that computing ties closely to his math origins, mm-hmm. where studying computing is sometimes in a math department on a college campus because it also has um, its numerical assets that I'm tied back to. Um, being able to do large computations and influencing scientific findings um, by um, you know analyzing something that would take a human a long time to. So computing has uh, doing computation on numbers, and it's linked to math. A lot. it's also linked to algorithms like making Google a better. like that's what you alluded to working in a cubicle and producing code. Mm-hmm. Some of that code is to make search, Engines operate faster and optimizing Mm -hmm. and thinking about making better algorithms so that things can be more efficient and those are all beautiful creations um, for their intended applications. However, just making an application or making something that solves a problem for someone or making something that you just think is the world should have this and I can go about solving the computing issues that would allow me to create it, is yet another way to study um, computing. And you're starting to see more distinction between different options within computing. For example, at Georgia Tech, they have a human-centered computing program as well as a computer science program because computing does have all of those facets, but people aren't always aware that there are so many different areas of computing Um, because it gets lumped into one term. So human-centered computing, human-computer interactions, and computer science do start to live in the same space to identify like solving problems and understanding that computing can help people solve problems in education and learning and creativity and amplifying productivity. Um, And it could also optimize searching and it could also be the best scientific tool for automating laboratory experiments. Mm -hmm. So um, that's sort of why I mentioned one flavor of computing that does not get as much attention as the others, yeah. and having as many people as possible know that that's one of the avenues within computing that can be pursued, I believe, would potentially make more people consider it as a viable option for themselves. Definitely. I think you're right that computing does have a, a PR problem,
0: and I think that as these things are uh, seen and acknowledged and experienced, that it, it will change things. Hey, it... it, it uh, to kind of wrap things up, I want to go back to where we started, and that was your discussion of the work you've been doing in disadvantaged neighborhoods and the uh, creating creative uh, STEM programs. Do you have any anecdotes or stories or data or or other things that show what kind of impact that those programs have had? It may have only been a short time period, but I just wondered if there's There's any way that you can say it, and it's changed things in this way or that way.
1: If we go back to our earlier discussion, we were talking about people coming together at maker fairs. Mm -hmm. And I can talk about the impact through that lens. For example, the reason people are together in those large fairgrounds or the science museums or wherever they're held is to share ideas so that after people break up, some of the techniques and activities or um, whatever hands-on experiences can be shared with as many others as possible, I believe that's one metric Mm -hmm. that is a little different than what's typically featured or honored at academic institutions in higher education, Mm -hmm. whereas the idea coming out in the unit of a published paper and having people cite that research or that idea from that paper in other papers, and you could track the citations. I believe that in my area, it's more powerful and impactful if people recognize that the activities that you've come up with and one example is just the popsicle stick tools that I mentioned Mm -hmm. at those fairs, if people can get their hands on it and vouch for it and say, this looks like it will be perfect for the communities that I work with and replicating that and sort of taking the materials and activities that you've created and adapting it for their, the people that they work with, Mm -hmm. that is sort of a citation that, that I value because I know that um, the people are there are looking for, new ideas so that they can feed the hungry hands-on makers out yeah. are wherever they're from so uh the impact that i believe i'm having is when others are recognizing that these activities can work in the areas that i'm serving as well and i'd like to do my best to adapt them um for that crowd and 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 stay connected with people that way so i see that happening it's uh i got one of those messages just uh two days ago about how a platform that I'm developing uh, with some colleagues right now for connecting programming to devices that are like large light up buttons that you can step on mm-hmm. called Unruly Splats. And Unruly is called, you know, you're changing the rules. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, just changing the language of computing is just setting your own rules. Um, these devices that allow you to change the way they light up and how they, how people, how they respond by making sounds or changing lights when people step on them. I was contacted from one of my peers that works in a group called the Young People's Projects and they have math activities that they do with young people that allow them to think about math and think about computing. And they said, this would be a great way to realize one of our activities in a more computational way where you get feedback right there on the lights as opposed to the way that we play with flags Mm -hmm. right now. So given this platform and the the examples that I've seen you do, I definitely want to incorporate that in the activities with this other program and organization that has a large footprint in more than just Boston uh, and trying to adapt that platform to what they're doing to better serve the young people they work with in Illinois and Mississippi and Boston. Um, I think that is, um, you know, the kinds of impacts that i like to have and look forward to having more of those.
0: That's, yeah, that's, that sounds, that sounds great. And congratulations on, on the success. I mean, as you, as you're saying, the, the, the evidence of success is, is new, more people talking about it, more people doing it, people, for lack of a better term, riffing off of that, uh, that concept building related and new extensions and, uh, um, that sounds like it's uh, it's all happening and, and going very well. That's great.
1: Yeah, that, that is definitely the most re- the one of the more rewarding aspects of what I get a chance to do. But um, an also rewarding aspect is being able to involve my undergraduate students in all of those adventures. Mm-hmm. So we have students that are in Mississippi right now um, working on um, building guitars and diddly bows for the right. blues. Uh, festivals and give creating entrepreneurial activities um, that they that the partners down there have thought would be a great way to teach people how to, um, you know, honor their past and also make new opportunities where they perceive there are few and um, being able to have students out in these spaces as part of their college education. I think is very powerful, as well as um, having them at the New York maker fairs and Uh, Having them as part of uh, the crowdfunding uh, platform for Unruly Splats and being there for all the different steps for each of these adventures, I think, uh, prepares them for doing a wide variety of things upon graduation, such as if they want to focus on the entrepreneurial aspects or the problem solving and working more people to people or um, just doubling down on the engineering, I think... um, you know, it's excited about what they're able to do after going through these experiences and that, that equally excites me.
0: That's great. I, I'm glad you brought that up because, um, in my mind, I imagine the computing and innovation professor at Olin college, you know, hosting a class, talking on the board during, doing different kind of workshops for your students locally. But what you just pointed out is this, this is, this is a ambassadorship that, that gets out into the communities that you've been talking about and a, Know much more uh, impactful way than just uh, a, a closed four wall um, uh, classroom. Yes, great. Well, I really, really appreciate you taking time to talk. I uh, it's it's fantastic work and a lot and very fun to learn about and, and inspiring to think about. I, I'd love to love to build a Uh, a a, a boat what do you call it a boat diddly a um, A diddly bow a a diddly bow yeah we got we got Bo Diddly playing a diddly Um, bow so uh, that's really really good stuff and I appreciate you taking time to talk today and uh, we'll uh, wish you the best as you go forward all
1: right and thank you for having me same to you
0: thank you